You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. During the pandemic, Karina Chu McKenzie turned to art to find a sense of home. What resulted were a series of paintings inspired by the Rao Ho Night Market in Taipei. That became an immersive art exhibit called The Night Market, which ran at the Bobble House, a gallery shop and event space in New York City's Lower East Side. While the exhibit is closed, some of Karina's artwork can still be seen until the end of this month at the On the Way Art Gallery and Tea Shop Experience, curated by Jocelyn Hu and Thomas Du at 48 Hester Street in New York City. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So you are a painter and a photographer, and let's start by talking about your path to becoming that. Um. So I, you know, now I would consider and introduce myself as, you know, hi, I'm Karina Chu McKenzie. I am an artist and a painter and photographer. Um, comfortable with those titles now, but I think that, you know, that I only started kind of getting into that path full time a few years ago. So it was something that I've always been artistic and creative. My my mother is an artist, but it's something that definitely came out of COVID and was a decision that I made and decided to pursue a couple years ago. So what were you doing mm -hmm. before COVID? I was working also in a creative field. I was a creative director, designer, graphic designer, okay. an illustrator, but again like i said always been always been painting always creative and i think like everyone uh covid was a catalyst for change for a lot of people and i decided to just bite the bullet and pursue something you know with passion so how did the pandemic change your path so i lived in new york city I was in Brooklyn, and I was living there for a couple years, full-time job. And during the pandemic, my partner and I, we moved up to Woodstock, New York, okay. which is in upstate New York. And it's a totally different life, right, yeah. than living in a city. And yeah. I, I grew up in a huge city. I grew up in Beijing, and then I moved to New York City. So I've been surrounded by concrete my entire right. life. And moving up here was a culture shock in and of itself okay. for a city girl like me. And But not only that, but like just culturally living in this area and super remote. And, you know, everyone was isolated, obviously, but I felt isolated from the city, from people, from food, from basically everything that I found was comfort for me. And so with that, I would call it homesickness and like longing for that, you know, those comforts, I decided, like, how can I get, how do I get these things without having them? They're so far away from me. They're like, how do I make them real and tangible for myself? And how do I process what's going on in the world? And so I turned to painting and I turned to painting what was familiar to me, what was comforting to me, what I wanted to see, what I longed for, what I was homesick for. And to me, that was 
home, that was Taiwan, that was Asia, that was people, that was food, that was night markets and sounds. And so I was able to capture that for myself in these like large scale paintings of scenes and intimate moments. Because I'm a photographer, of, I painted my, my photographs of these scenes of home. And that resonated with me so that every time I looked at them, I got that comfort that I needed to be able to process because that was my way of doing it. So was the decision to move to Woodstock related to the pandemic at all then? Completely related. Like it would, this path, I don't think this path would have happened. We wouldn't be speaking, you know, if if COVID didn't happen, if I didn't move up here, if life didn't slow down enough to realize what was needed in that moment, right? Life needed to slow down in order for priorities to see themselves out and for me to, to be able to pursue something that I've wanted to for a while. I asked Karina about the artwork that she created during the pandemic that was inspired by Taipei's Rauher Night Market and later became an immersive art exhibit. I love this topic because I created an entire series around this. And it did, like going back to like, it did start during the pandemic, this whole sense of like, oh, look, I can create these paintings that emulate what I long for. But it's not just what I long for. It's a way of other people to connect with this feeling of home and nostalgia. So I had this idea and it kind of grew and grew. And like two years later, I kept painting. I kept painting these scenes. I kept this series going. And two years later, this year, I applied to an open call for AAPI month at an Asian-owned event space, gallery, store called Bobble House in the Lower East Side in New York City. And they asked for a proposal because they have a huge, beautiful space. And I submitted a proposal based around this idea of a night market art experience that I kind of came organically through what we were talking about. And it got accepted, so I, I put on this show and I designed a, an area, an exhibit, kind of like an immersive experience with my art that's based around the night market. So it's, you know, people in crowds, food, lighting, all in the dark. And I created a immersive sound, light, and art experience so that when you are in my show, you can hear the night market. So I downloaded... <laughs> because it exists on YouTube, a soundtrack specifically from Rauha Night Market. Oh. I'll talk more about the intention of that, but I, sure. I took the sound from that specific night market, which is the one that I go to when I'm home. So again, like another layer of meaning. And I filled the space with, I designed these lights, so these neon fluorescent lights to correspond with the neon fluorescent lights mm. in my paintings. Mm-hmm. And so these lights, you know, blue and pinks and purples and, and it's all in the dark. And so there was no white, white light in this space. It's all mm-hmm. created from these colorful spectrums of lights. And so you have 
that sound experience. And then in the middle of the space, I put these dongzis, which are these little stools that you sit on right. at the night market, like the little colorful Chinese stools. The plastic stools, and I put those, yeah. The plastic stools, the iconic stool, and I put them all around the space. And so the intention was that you can sit and, and, and you know, sit in front of the art you're listening to it you're walking through it and it's a, an immersive 3d experience of walking through a night market and feeling the lights and the hearing the sound and i had an opening party so i had an opening reception mm -hmm. for the show and during the opening reception just to like add another layer onto this because food is such a huge part of my life as well on top of art i had a taiwanese chef come in and she oh. created her lu rou her grandmother's lu rou yeah. recipe and she served noodles at my art show opening oh, wow. and we had we had another taiwanese like a fifth generation taiwanese tea company come in and they served their like oolong cha yeah. and so you had all these different dimensions so it wasn't all just the your typical art show you had the all the senses and because right the un the night market is a universal place right it's like eh, you want good food anyone from any class race mm -hmm, age mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can come and like enjoy something mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. kind of this concept i was trying to push that it's not this is not just a Taiwanese night market, right? The night market is more of a concept and this feeling that you get. And by putting it on was a full circle moment for me because I created these pieces in isolation years ago. And having it come together in this night market communal experience was incredibly meaningful because that those are the people and the the sounds and the food that's supposed to fill the space, and yeah. it was, it, yeah, it was a you know a couple hundred people showed up and filled the space and created the energy and basically made the show what it is, and couldn't have done it without the people there, who were, by the way, not just Taiwanese, right? Sure. They're Chinese, sure, and and from all other cultures, and yes. you know, and that's what was most important for me. Yeah, I, I think that must have been amazing. Like, I was just thinking about the juxtaposition between the pandemic and then what it must have been like to have the opening and see your art in that space with all these people interacting with it. So yeah, people eating like, noodles yeah, next yeah. to a painting yeah. of my grandmother eating noodles. And not only that, but then someone yeah. would approach me, and this happened, and she mm -hmm. says... I like I love this painting because it looks like my grandmother eating noodles. Aww. Like it looks like my like I I, I haven't been home in a few yeah. years, right? A lot of people mm -hmm. haven't been able mm -hmm. to go home. Mm -hmm. And so for her, my night was made because she said she felt like this was her family. And mm -hmm. not only that, but she was eating the noodles while looking at the art while we were talking about how we both felt a connection mm -hmm. through food and through art in the space like talking mm -hmm. to each other mm -hmm. you said this is all very organic so i had a question when you were actually creating this artwork what did you think that you were going to do with it did you think about yes. that as you're creating it, or <laughs> you were just in that moment 
No, I did not think about it. Yeah, it was just yeah. in that moment, the whole world slowed down. So I decided yeah. to also slow down and yeah. focus on because the night markets are intricate. There's lots going on. And so I、mm-hmm. focused on the intricacies in these paintings. I slowed down to like take my time to draw and paint and to think about this because this, these paintings were not only wrapped up in. In COVID and like pandemic, it was it was a reaction to seeing because you know what happened during COVID was like huge violence against the AAPI Asian community, right? So it was it was like everything. It was not only that, it was my introduction into the art world and my searching for connectedness of being Taiwanese and not finding it and not finding the faces that I wanted to see in art. And so I felt a void and I wanted to fill that、mm-hmm. with my paintings, I guess.、Um. Right. So you're talking about what happened during the pandemic in the Asian Pacific American Islander community, the Asian hate. Yeah, I think that, I think that again, like a Art is hard not to be political, right? So, like,、mm-hmm. I can say I did all these paintings for me, I felt homesick, but there's always hidden meanings and, and depths to art, and it's all very circumstantial. And, and it's like the, the setting and the time of when you paint it. So, like, my night market exhibit, Beautiful, fun event for you know celebrating life and celebrating the night market and bringing people together. At the end of the day, there's always going to be this underlying cultural discourse, right?、Mm-hmm. That it doesn't need to be pushed to the front and center, it's not the main objective. But I think like there will always be. This hidden reasoning and and sociocultural significance to what I do, inevitably, one, because I am, you know, Taiwanese, Chinese, American. And、mm-hmm. I don't want to call it conflict, but it's a fusion that exists and it's intricate. And I'm also telling those stories through my art because these paintings, despite the fact that it's so Taiwanese night market focused, a lot of these photographs were taken. In China, in Myanmar, in Vietnam, in places I've traveled a lot. So it's not just Taiwan.、Mm-hmm. And so people come in thinking, oh, here's the Taiwanese American artist. I know what she's going to be doing, right? And it's, it's not that. And when you look a little deeper, it's not just about Taiwan, despite the fact that that's super important to me. It's not,、mm-hmm. that's not all that I'm about. Doing that、yeah. show.、Um, Putting on that night market experience was, was my way of like creating a community by myself, right? So it's like not one that I entered, but one that I created and,、yeah. and by putting on a show and inviting people and seeing、yeah. like, okay, so I don't exist within these traditional parameters. So how can I create one in a non traditional way? Yeah. You know, this. Podcast and talking to you is a consequence of that in a good way. You know, like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm.、Uh, these connections、yeah. that I'm able to make and like see what can come out of it. And if I can, through that, connect with like other Taiwanese artists that I didn't know about. And and now I have, you know, 
more of a leg up and confidence because I've been able to do Absolutely. something with it. You really, it, mm-hmm. you really created something for yourself. I'm interested in knowing you said that you work on large canvases almost life-size right have you always worked on such large pieces and what's that like because I would think that I'm not an a painter or an artist but I just feel like that would seem to me very intimidating to have this like large (laughs) canvas that you have to like fill up but then and how does that work do you plan before you start paying, like how to fill that space. So because I am a photographer, I see my paintings through kind of a lens of photography. So when I'm taking the photo, I take the photo with a painting in mind. I'm composing in real life. Okay. I'm creating angles in real life that when I then paint it, they exist already in a sense that I I created it in real life. You know, the posed for things and body language and the certain message that I want to tell. Okay. And when I'm painting it, the reason I choose to paint it life-size is because I think of it kind of like a window. Mm-hmm. So you're looking into a window in someone's life, a certain mm-hmm. moment or snapshot mm-hmm. in time, mm-hmm. a memory that's that's specific to that moment but that you can relate to. So when you step up just like when you go to a museum and you step mm-hmm. up to a painting and you're mm-hmm. looking and you're facing the painting, you are life-size to the same ratio, like to the same size as the person is in the, in the painting. So mm-hmm. you're looking, you know, in the eye, the subject of the painting, or you're facing the same direction as the person in the painting, because a lot of my work currently is around the night market. So you have people in stands right so you have bystander views you have you know participants you have all these different levels and by painting them life-size you can feel it so when you're standing in front of it it's so different than looking on instagram or my website or looking at a photo on the computer it's more immersive you it is fully like you feel like you are in the scene Mm -hmm. and you're Mm -hmm. You're wondering, you're like, what are they looking at? Or what yeah. are they eating? Or like, right. what's that? Or like, mm-hmm. or like, or you almost want to be like quiet because you feel like you're interrupting something. And when you look at those, you know, when you go see it in person, hopefully you go and see how the light, I use the light and the sounds to kind of emph- even emphasize that even more so that I put neon lights behind my canvases because I wanted the light to literally shine through and I don't know if that's the right way to do things or whatever but that's how I wanted you to experience it and how I wanted you to feel when looking at it now it's time for a short break Talking Taiwan is a listener supported podcast and we're so happy to share the news that we've reached our goal to raise $5,000 for our matching donation campaign we'll be having another matching donation campaign offered by Ming Chang so any donations that you make right now will continue to be doubled you can make a donation at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support If you'd like to help us raise funds by being a matching donor, just email us at TalkingTaiwanPodcast at gmail.com or support us directly at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. 
Right now, your donation will be doubled during this $2,000 matching campaign. All of our donors will get exclusive first listening access to my interviews with Kevin Lin, one of the co-founders of Twitch and current co-founder and CEO of MetaTheory. The Boba Guys, co-founders Andrew Chow and Bin Chen. Chin Chi Yang, a multidisciplinary artist who has been inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame. And Michelle Ho, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick, which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. I also wonder about painting on that kind of scale. Is it very physical, like the action of painting on uh, something that's life-size? And is that also part of the experience of creating the artwork? Like, Absolutely. It's visceral, I think. I think. Yeah. And it's not... I. I like to paint in many, many layers, right? So it's not flat. The pa- the canvas is not flat, despite it being... F- okay, so know, there's texture. So there's so much texture and layers. Mm-hmm. And I keep parts of the canvas empty on purpose so that light is able to shine through it and that parts of it are missing because... Again, I think that's kind of a commentary on my identity and life, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's not full. There are mm-hmm. chunks missing. Mm-hmm. There are parts, we're not whole. We're still figuring things mm-hmm. out and using paint as a way mm-hmm. to talk about it and using mm-hmm. art as a way to talk about it, but not talk about it. Because it it's just about feeling like, I want you to see my painting and be like, I feel good. Why do I feel good? Like this feels like home. I recognize what's happening here. I see the scene. I can see that there's Asian faces. They're at a market. Like you are you feel like you're part of it. There's no real confusion in terms of like what you're seeing. It's up to you to decide how you feel in that scene. I asked Karina about her background and connection to Taiwan. I was born in the States, Mm -hmm. but my um, family, like, you know, my mother and my father, they moved to Beijing in the early 90s. So Mm -hmm. I grew up in Beijing my entire life until I moved to the States for college. Okay. So Beijing, uh, China, is, is where I grew up. So it is my... You know, you can have many homes. It's one of my many sure. homes. It's my mm-hmm. it's my first home. Um, but my family now lives in Taiwan. It's very interesting. You know, we all have different uh, cross sections of identities and how right. we yeah. define ourselves or see ourselves. And so a lot of your family's in Taiwan. And I see that you identify yourself as Taiwanese-American. So I'm curious to know if we could talk about that a little bit more, like given your background. I know that your mother was from Taiwan, but your grandmother was from China, right? That's a really good question because I think it's something, right, that's a huge part of this conversation and and part of the discourse of like, it's a huge discourse in my art, but also just personal life coming to terms with identity leaving and being so far away from China and mm-hmm. feeling closer to Taiwan and not only the sense that my family now lives there but even just like 
values and a way of living and things that I identify with. And I think it's it's different for me because I didn't grow up in Taiwan. So mm-hmm. I am in a way, uh, right, I'm fascinated by the Taiwanese diaspora, right? And I'm one of them. And I, in a way, it's I, I find it unique because I am Taiwanese, but I am also Chinese in the sense that I grew up in China. But I'm also American. I was born here. My father is white and he is American. Mm -hmm. So coming at like, how do I identify my Taiwanese-ness? I think it's this really unique blend of Taiwanese, American, Chinese existing and not conflicting. And I want to be able to use my unique existence and upbringing and use that to kind of explore the complex dynamics of the Taiwanese diaspora. I mean, just mm-hmm. like my grandmother was, my grandmother was born in China, right? So she is of the generation of people who were exiled and forced out of China. She then had my mother, who was born in Taiwan, but then my mother had her family and raise them in China, the country where my grandmother was forced out from. My mother then returns to Taiwan, right? But my grandmother's still alive, so it's now 80 years later, and she's experiencing almost, uh, it's like a full circle ironic moment of maybe the threat of her place where she was born coming back, you know, in Mm. terms of like the reality of what's going on between China and Taiwan. And I find that so fascinating because it's Mm -hmm. happening in three generations of my family. Um, Karina also talked about how her upbringing and her mother, who was an artist, nurtured her creativity and artistic abilities. My mother is a painter, she's a natural creative, she's a potter, and I grew up in China going with her to her studio, seeing what she did with art and how she brought communities together using her art. And so that was incredibly inspirational for me and a huge part of my personality and life and how I approach art. And not only that, but I grew up in very Uh, creative painterly communities in China, knowing a lot of painters who are culturally and historically significant, like they lived through the Cultural Revolution. Like these are artists from the Cultural Revolution. They incredibly inspired me too. So it's, and it's also like, you know, growing up in China with that art scene there and also learning how art is restricted in the country that I grew up in, I think the restriction of art led me to be super curious about like, why? Why is it like this? In terms of like next steps and like future thinking. So I have this current series, this night market. um, And I like to think of it as a moving series. So I want to adapt this concept. And I think of it as this is the first run, right? So this was like the first iteration Iteration, of what this could be, right? Like involving all these different people Mm -hmm. and creating this discourse. And I think it was successful. So like it was Mm -hmm. a test. And I, Mm -hmm. I think 
the reception was really positive, and I really mm-hmm. want to see what else can come of this. But so, in terms of like separate project, I think separate from this night market series, which I do want to have a life of its own, I'm actually taking some time at the moment to kind of dive in a little deeper into my into Taiwanese heritage history and my personal stories, because I think. Separate to that, I think we're at a time of like it's just very, very relevant right now. That these conversations at this specific time, in terms of China-Taiwan-U.S. relations, of heightened just everything. And I think that it would be a shame to let that opportunity go and to not talk about the stories that I have to tell in that space, and to use it as a as a way of like discourse to bring people together to create more of a fusion instead of this like you know when you look at the news it's so sensationalized and so split, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't I want there to be a separate discourse that's the opposite of that. And how do we use how do we talk about that? I think the best way is through art. Mm-hmm. So using Using art and my personal histories to connect with other people and these other histories that relate to what's happening right now, the intricacies around that. So, so those are two separate things because one is based on a, you know, the night market, like bringing people together, a celebration. It's very fun, bright, and. And the other one's a little more serious, <laughs> so, you know. There's a little more nuance, and you have to be a little more sensitive. And so mm-hmm. it's like the like, where's where's the balance? Do I find the balance, or do I just exist within both? I can see how the approach that you're taking to your art—it's a way to like discover. Yourself and different parts of your identity, and then to communicate that and share that with other people, right? And and the hope that they can connect that because, yeah. right? It's not a thing that is unique to me or yeah. unique to Taiwanese people. Mm-hmm. It's something that's shared, um, and that's kind of how I see this Taiwanese. You know, the a separate series of of su- focusing more on the. Sociopolitical side because it's not something that's just specifically Taiwanese, Chinese, right? It's happening around the world right now. The reality of that, right? The reality of Taiwan, the reality and the fragileness of nations. And you think it doesn't happen, and then it does. So, mm-hmm. how how do we talk about it? How how do we change people's perceptions? And how? Do I do that myself? Talking about myself, and when someone asks me where I'm from, what do I say? Depending mm-hmm. on the person mm-hmm. who asks mm-hmm. me, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so have you had any challenging conversations with people? Because you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. that there are some people that may challenge you because yes. you grew up in China, but you identify yourself as Taiwanese-American. So Taiwanese, yeah. yeah. That you must have some difficult conversations around that. I think, yeah, lots of, I've, especially since I've been talking to people so much about it mm-hmm. and really bringing it up. Mm-hmm. And I, it comes, kind of comes back to like, I, 
I feel there is such a difference between heritage, belonging, nationality, and the concept of home. Mm -hmm. So what's unique about me is that I feel that I can relate to all these different types of people who do have these conversations with me. So it's, if it's a Chinese person, if it's a Taiwanese person, if it's an American, if it's someone from another country, without antagonizing or pushing the buttons of the other person and kind of showing them that, look, you're, you're asking questions, wanting a certain answer, and I'm telling you like, how, it, how it feels to exist as all three. And a perspective coming not from a Taiwanese perspective, not from a Chinese perspective, and not from American, but all three. <laughs> and that's unique to a lot of people because those three things don't usually exist within one. I think I will constantly be always, just inevitably, because I'm half-half, always be trying to convince you that I'm Taiwanese enough or that I'm Chinese enough or that I'm American enough, right? So, like, even recently I was talking to someone from Taiwan and mm -hmm. I immediately start speaking in Chinese mm -hmm. and his immediate reaction is, 你说中文不像台湾人. <laughs> so, immediately when I speak Chinese, he goes, Oh, you're not Taiwanese. Even though I had just said I was Taiwanese. Yeah. He goes, you're yeah. not, because you don't sound Taiwanese. And I just have to just take my time. I'm like, okay, so I, I know this. I know how this conversation works. And I just slowly, I tell him exactly how Taiwanese I am, how my all my family lives in Taipei. I go to Taipei every year. And it's just all these things. And it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. I, I am Taiwanese enough for myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> being mixed, being half, what you learn, and for this is for anyone who is half or has half, you know, multicultural children, is mm -hmm. that you're not, you're not half of each. You're not 50%. You're 100% of each. So you're whole. I am 100% mm -hmm. Taiwanese, mm -hmm. just as I am 100% mm -hmm. American. Mm -hmm. So that's something most people don't see. They always will see you as half or less mm -hmm. of something mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And that is my goal. Every single time I talk to people and try to convince people, is that I'm not trying to prove to him, oh, I'm Taiwanese. I'm just trying to tell him this is the kind of Taiwanese I am. My whole life felt I wasn't Chinese enough in China and, and not American enough here, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's telling those stories and that certain feeling. My unique perspective, which is not unique to me, but to so many people, mm -hmm. right? And how do I talk about that specific thing mm -hmm. in a way that's me, which is art and painting? Because mm -hmm. I'm not a writer. I'm not a musician. I'm not, you know, so how do I tell those stories in a, a digestible accessible way that makes it so it's not a heated conversation like using art and painting is a way for me to have these conversations without it feeling like it's an argument mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a poetic beautiful way of tying all of these things together and bringing people into a space a communal understanding safe space
mm-hmm. that no matter where you are from, no matter how, if you're Taiwanese or Chinese, right? It's more of the recognizing of the humanness of us all and the things that we all relate to and love, which, you know, to me, is food and the night market and bringing people together and like celebrating. And so how do we use the celebration of that to talk about hard stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are yeah usually mm-hmm. seen in a pretty negative lens i would say mm-hmm. so what thoughts or advice do you have for people who were want to become a full-time artist or focus more on their art Oh, I'd love some advice too. For that. <laughs> okay, that how is- about then? Have you gotten <laughs> yeah. some good advice? How about that? What great I, advice has someone shared with you? <laughs> I think that I I've gotten a lot of good advice. I've also felt like it's a really hard decision to make. It's incredibly fulfilling. Personally, I think that you know being an artist living there's the realities to it right that you have yes. to face up to and it's not consistent work yes. so it's 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 learning how to navigate both of those for me i'm still struggling with that um and i think some advice that i've received is that and it's not re- it's not only advice but it's the reception of me pursuing something that I'm 100% into and what comes out of that I see as like worthwhile sacrifice to what I'm doing because I think that the conversations the opportunities the feeling that I get from doing this at a time when everything is so uncertain provides so much comfort and just to be able to do something that you want to do in your life once is really important and you'll only regret it if you don't right like you'll always just regret it so I had to try you always try and obviously everyone fails so maybe I will too but it's okay because at least I tried (laughs) and I think that it's that it's that playing in that in that processing that hopefully I'll understand myself more um, at a time when I probably needed it the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really honored and thankful that you invited me to be a part of your Taiwan podcast. I, yeah. I think that again, for me, very fulfilling, like that I can fit in here as well, you know, like to me, that's very touching and Um, I'm grateful as well. I've been speaking with Karina Chu McKenzie, a Taiwanese-American artist, painter, and photographer, about how she uses her art to explore her identity. To learn more about her, visit our website at TalkingTaiwan.com. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.